Hi, and thank you for joining Dating While Black's radio podcast. Dating While Black was created to open real dialogue between the sexes in hopes that it will foster positive exchange and help cultivate our communities. The radio segments will address issues that relates to the world, our communities, relationships, and everything in between. So sit back, relax, and we hope you enjoy this segment. A show here recently on Hulu caught my attention. Uh, It's been around for several years, but uh, on one particular evening, I decided to check it out. The name of the show is called Married at First Sight. And the overall premise is that each season, this show showcases uh, or follows six single people who will be married, go on a honeymoon, and be required to live together for 90 days. After that 90-day period or so, they then have to make a decision whether or not they're going to stay married and work things out or if they want a divorce at that moment. And, of course, at that time, I believe the show pays for the divorce certificate or the divorce fines, what have you. So, um, like I said, the show... (laughs) For me, was pretty interesting. I was like, I'm just going to check out one episode. I ended up watching all 15 episodes of season three. And it was very, I would say, very, very interesting show. Especially if you're going to pull. I'm not a binge watcher on TV unless it's something that uh, truly, truly piques my interest. Like I said, I just happened to be going through my Hulu and I believe it's Hulu. I don't think it was Netflix. Uh, again, I was just flipping through and saw it and decided to check it out. And let, let me correct myself. It's actually season four of Married at First Sight. And so this show premiered back in 2016 um, in which we had, like I said, six single people who never met each other before. They skipped the courting phase. They skipped the, hey, how are you, the introduction phase, and go straight to the altar. And actually, that's when they first lay eyes on each other. And I'll give you a quick recap, and then I will go over uh, a few key points and things that I noticed, um, which prompted me <laughs> to do this episode of Dating Well Black. But um, at any rate, the six people, they live in the same state, but not necessarily the same city. Um, They're all career-minded individuals. Um, You start with the first couple is Derek uh, Schwartz and a lady by the name of Heather Seidel. They didn't even make it past the honeymoon. Uh, Heather was turned off immediately uh, at some point during the honeymoon, and they didn't even get to the phase where they made it through 90 days of cohabitation. They just, right then and there, after I think the second day, um, they never saw eye to eye. And it was very unfortunate because uh, Derek Schwartz 
was very, very open. He was very optimistic. And she just, Heather just kept on um, just being kind of disrespectful, very dismissive of him. And they, like I said, they barely made it through that honeymoon. Um, so that was pretty, pretty, um, I guess I would say pretty unfortunate because they did not have an opportunity to truly get to know each other, to see the experiment, I would say, out. They didn't even make it through that whole course, um, which actually set a new record for the show, right? Um, because the premise or the actual intent is for them to get to know each other, live together, and see if it works after 90 days. They didn't make it after two weeks. The other two couples, however, like I said, there were six individuals, so three couples. The other two couples uh, stayed married to the end of the show. Uh, one, the second couple I really liked, um, the lady's name was Lillian Velshez and Tom Wilson. Lillian, which they called throughout the whole show, uh, Lily, was a flight attendant. No, 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 excuse me. I'm getting her mixed up. Lily was a realtor in Florida, and all this, all these people reside in Florida for at least for this episode or this season. So the realtor, um, Lillian, she had a high, high pace life. She's doing real estate. She's closing deals. She's very organized, and she's very serious about her desire to be a realtor. Tom, on the other hand, he was more of a fly-by-the-seat-of-your-pants type of guy. Um, he really was not majorly career-oriented, but he had a pretty decent job, I believe. Tom was an interior, and I don't know exactly what this requires, um, of anybody, but he was an interior designer for yachts, so he did not have to work as hard as um, Heather, not Heather, as hard as Lily did, but to make money, so he basically set his own hours, uh, he lived as comfortably as a bachelor could, and their relationship seemed like from day one off the top was meant to be from the altar they were both physically attracted to each other the families meshed really good during the uh, reception their honeymoon they had no problems they just had a really good time there was probably about one or two uncomfortable situations in which they navigated through and after the honeymoon they moved in they actually got a home or not got a home they they rented a, um, a, I believe, a vacation property uh, for the 90 days, and things worked out well. They met each other's families, and then they invited their families out. Uh, Lily did a surprise birthday party for him in which she had her, his brother surprise him uh, there. They did find out, however, a couple of things that each other about each other that you just can't find out in the first couple of hours or weeks of knowing each other and they seem to work through those issues the third and final couple was Sonia Granadas and Nick 
Pendergrass. They too, like I said, stayed married through the duration of the show. Uh, unlike the second couple, Lily and Tom, Sonya and Nick, they were two very, very shy and emotionally immature uh, people. They were not comfortable with sharing their true feelings. And instead of being expressive and communicative, they kind of closed in and held in their feelings. So if Sonya did something Nick didn't like, Sonya didn't know, and vice versa. And that caused friction in the relationship because if you don't say what's bothering you, you're just going to bottle it in, which is what happened, and that changes how you treat that person. Uh, when you shut down, it basically <laughs> stops any opportunity for growth and communication and opens up a lot of areas of uncertainty and insecurity, which is what um, viewers saw in the fourth season of this show. Um, I got kind of curious just to see where they're at now after um, the show. Did the two couples that remain married at the end of the season continue? continue with their relationship or did they eventually end in divorce and as you would suspect they ended in divorce I will give you my overall idea about this show <laughs> my thoughts about this episode and how it what it says to us about our the generation, how we perceive marriage, and some of the downfalls that we have uh, when it relates to basically giving our lives uh, to another individual. After, after this quick commercial break, about to pay these bills. So just listen to the next 60 seconds of my dialogue as I tell you about a podcast of one of my fellow anchor podcasters. And then we'll be back to the segment. Thanks. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Welcome to the Snapple Market Auditory Experience. Close your eyes. Imagine you're walking into your neighborhood store. You make your way to the back and reach for your favorite Snapple flavor. You can't wait. You take a sip. Whoa, that's a lot of flavor. Mmm. What flavor are you holding? Now open your eyes and check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavorful Snapple near you. You have to applaud these individuals for willing to come <laughs> on a show and basically say, hey, I failed in my attempts to be in a relationship, but I am willing to marry a complete stranger. That takes a lot of guts and vulnerability in order to basically go in in front of millions of viewers uh, to have to agree to air out what issues you've had in the past with relationships and willing to be uh, documented for any period of time 
where people can dissect you, your relationship, and how you view certain things. So for one, I said these people put a lot on the line in order to be on the show in hopes of finding true love. Um, but I will say what I noticed from um, the show basically speaks to how we are in society right now as it relates to being in relationships. Number one, there is no true science in finding a compatible person that is a hundred percent that will be a hundred percent accurate. There's no way. These relationship experts interview thousands of people in that area, selected six strangers, and based upon a series of interview questions, they decided, they being these relationship experts, decided that these six people, three couples, were compatible. And based upon their quote-unquote science, these people should be able to have a healthy and loving relationship based upon the characteristics and traits that these six individuals shared. They also took into account some of the things that these people like and dislike. So not only did they do a comparison based upon uh, certain aspects of a person's trait or characteristics, they also included things that were pet peeves uh, in making their decision, right? Um, for instance, there was the first couple. They didn't really even make it past the altar. Uh, the girl didn't like a person that smoked. Uh, but her interpretation, her belief of smoking and his belief of, she said she wanted a guy that she was okay with occasional smoking. He smoked occasionally, but occasionally to her may be different than what's occasionally to him, right? So again, this is not a true science, but you can find people who have similarities that like similar things that may get along, but there is no book that can tell you or no methodology that can tell you just because these people have similarities and have the same type of traits, whether or not they'll be compatible as husband and wife. Opposites do attract, and there are people are far too unique to uh, pair up on an opposite level, but also we're too far too unique to even compare similarities and make a determination as to who is going to be good for us. Um, so I say that also to say this. This show is similar, or it can be compared to having a good friend that knows you well. Say, hey, I know somebody that would be good for you. That does not necessarily mean just because that matchmaker or that friend of you knows a guy or knows a girl, and the common denominator is that they sh that person knows both you and that other person. They just think based on what they think they know or they feel that they know that you guys will be a good match. Same with this show. Uh, it does speak to me, as far as this show is concerned, um, a little bit of desperation that a lot of people have in experience um, <clears throat> when it comes to wanting to be in love. And I completely get it. If you've 
ever been in love, or even if you haven't, you know how good of a feeling love can be, or you have an idea of what you think love is enough to say, you know what, I would love to be in love. Who 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 does not want a good feeling, a person that they can truly share their lives with to help them navigate through life's struggles and disappointments, difficulties, and even to share the great things that happens uh, to us. You who, who doesn't want that? Anyone right now telling you, no, I don't want to be in a relationship has been hurt before from a relationship in which they wanted more than what they was able to receive. If anyone is really willing to be completely honest about their feelings, everyone would love, everyone who's not completely scarred, right? And I say scarred because I hate to say the term broken, but anyone that's scarred right now that does not want a relationship, that's you, I feel, being smart enough to acknowledge that right now I'm not ready for one. Uh, but we all at some point have wanted something that we don't have any choice or true control over. But the way we, um, excuse me, the way we handle that desire determines how desperate we are. So while on one hand I can commend these six people on this uh season or all of the people this has been going on this show has been going on for nine seasons so we're at season nine right now I just saw season four which aired uh, in 2016 but these people are no different than anybody there may be a little bit more extreme but anybody who really and truly wants to be in a relationship, right? But they are on a different level in which they're willing to say vows to somebody they don't know. To me, that's playing with matrimony and making a mockery of the union uh, because you get an opportunity to, to bow out of it. For me, when you get married, it should be for life unless, and you should try at it. It should be a person that you chose, that you picked, that you decided to be with. And if it does not work out, for whatever reason, go to counseling. And if that doesn't work out, if the relationship is toxic, if it's not right, if the person is not faithful or good for you, then you make that decision. But it speaks to the level of desperations that people are willing to do just to be in a relationship. Uh, when you do that, you do open yourself up for abuse if you're desperate to be in a relationship because our fairness, you want, sometimes people want the relationship so bad, even if it's just for the title, that they will endure things just to keep that title because they are that desperate in uh, being with someone. Uh, their identity sometimes is wrapped up into that person. Another example of desperation is trying to keep up with the Joneses or trying to have a particular image in which people um, can say, oh, yeah, they're so happy, or trying to uh, impress other people when you know you're not happy. So I feel like, or I know, that the best type of relationships are people who are not in it for a, a quick fix or in a need to fill some type of void in which they're not desperate. The second point that I noticed from these couples is that they lacked 
not all of them, but they lacked certain areas um, of emotional maturity uh, to basically um, endure being in a relationship that was a long-term commitment, such as a marriage. All of the people failed in at least all or at least two of three of these categories. And this is what I notice in dating as well. And those categories are communication, dedication to the relationship, and consideration of the person that you're with. Number one, all three of these couples at some point failed in their ability to communicate. They were willing to communicate more with the cameras uh, on the one-on-one -on -one confessionals uh, that appeared throughout the each episode. Uh, they were willing to air out what they were feeling and their hurts or their disappointments to a camera than the person that they just married because they're husband and wife now. Um, they were more comfortable with the camera person that they met uh, than they were to actually share with the person that's trying to get to know them about what was bothering them. So communication was key, uh, which, like I said, was the main problem for two out of the three couples. One couple was great, and that was Lily and Tom, and that's the real estate agent. They were great in communicating their feelings, um, regardless if the person liked it or not. So the second um, item of three is dedication. The first couple, uh, the one that didn't even make it past the honeymoon, um, Heather and Derek, they, Heather, I would say, was not dedicated to the process at all. On the opposite end, Derek was the one that was most dedicated to the process, um, probably because he didn't even really have a chance. He didn't even know that she was, that she was turned off by the fact that he smoked. Now, to his, to his defense, he smoked one cigarette a day. They were on day number three. They were on vacation compared to the number of cocktails she had per day. She had more drinks than he had a cigarette. And he shared her, he said, oh, if I would have known you were offended by this, I do smoke occasionally, but... If I would have known that, I wouldn't have done this. That's where communication comes in. But she wasn't dedicated to the process, so she shut down completely. So many of us are willing to shut down by failing to communicate, right? And if we're not really that dedicated and we're not really into that person, there's sometimes we'd be like, ain't no need to tell the person, right? It's not giving that individual a fair chance to make any type of adjustments, any type of concessions. There's no, com there's no flexibility because we're not communicating to that person. Hence, we're not being fair to the person that we say or that we have agreed to uh, give our time uh, to. So the dedication was not there in one of three of these couples because she was done off the top. Day number three, he stopped smoking the rest of the trip. I think the trip was like seven or ten days. He stopped smoking the rest of the trip, but it did not matter what he did. Nothing that he did afterwards was good enough. 
it was painful for me to see this guy continuously trying to to get this woman to a point where they can just have fun. She was turned off by the fact that he smoked a cigarette a day. He finally gave up at the end, but he was still wearing his ring even after it. So he was truly dedicated, and he was still willing after the honeymoon to work things out. She didn't want to see him. He was even still willing that last day, episode 15, where they asked, do you want to get divorced or not? He was still willing. She was done. So the dedication and the effort has to be matched. The third item of three is consideration. Um, these couples were lack consideration for the other party's feelings. The, um, the third couple is a lady by the name of Sonia Granadas and Nick Pendergrass. They were not truly considerate. Um, they did communicate, but not as well as they could have. They were both introverts, very, very shy people. And there were a few times in which um, Sonia basically opened up about a situation that she endured and Nick kind of like shut down. Um, she was in a relationship in which she was engaged. So she was engaged at one time before, uh, thought the relationship was going to work out while she was engaged. He cheated on her. She found out about it. Her heart was broken and that causes sometimes insecurity in women. So on their wedding day, um, he never said anything about you're gorgeous. Where you saw all the other couples, the husband would say, you're beautiful, you're gorgeous, you're prettier than I thought you would be, or I'm relieved. They were saying things like this. She was looking for that type of validation. He couldn't read her mind, but she was looking for that validation. She never got it. She felt awkward in asking him, but she never got it. Later, when she had the one-on-one -on -one with... um the mom, the, the day of the wedding, it was kind of like sitting down talking or whatever. And it was just her and the mom. And she, the mom was like, my son is like this. He's very shy. He's dot, dot, dot. And then the girl says, you know what? He's never even told me if he finds me attractive. So the mom said something to him, right, about that. And he was like, yeah, I think I did. She's like, you got to tell a woman she's beautiful. So the whole trip, Sonia was wondering, hell, does he even like me or find me attractive? And he was telling the cameras, she's beautiful. But she didn't know this. Again, another example of the communication, the lack thereof, and the willingness of these people to communicate to a stranger or to a camera than they are to the person that they have vowed to marry and to love and cherish. So um, the consideration portion comes where she's trying to communicate with him. They get into a heated argument and him knowing that that's an insecurity area for her, he basically says, I'm not even attracted to her. He says this to the cameraman, right? Um, and you see a part where the cameraman or woman yells back, in a relationship, is nothing's perfect. You have to work through things. Um, again, this speaks to the level of consideration that you have. 
uh, for the person that you're with. Just not considerate at all of her feelings, of her um, insecurities, nothing. He was just saying, I'm done with it, which you have every right to. But there was no consideration of her feelings. There was no, um, there was none of that. It was just all about, all about me at that point. So the two couples stayed, two of the three couples decided to stay married uh, for, um, at the end of the season. So, okay, after I binge watched, I wanted to see three years later if they were still married. And to my, not to my surprise, neither one of the couples remained married. The last two couples, I followed up with them, the uh, Lillian and Tom Wilson, Lillian and Tom, they were the most promising couple. Uh, they had great communication skills. They had good family support. Family would come and visit. They had a couple of parties. They bumped their heads about two things. Tom lives in a tour bus that he owns, right? And here she is, a real estate agent uh, who probably sells million-dollar homes. He wants to live on the road. She's more traditional like most of us are, wants to live in a house. She was willing to ride and take a trip with him to, I believe, the Keys in Florida in this ran-down <laughs> tour bus. But she was open to it. Um, they had one other snag in which she was talking about his lack of desire of talk, wanting to talk about the future. But anyway, that couple did not make it. He is now with another woman who he seems to be very, very happy with. Um, the other couple, which is Sonia and Nick, the one which the woman who had a little bit of insecurities, they ended up not making um, not making it. And he went his separate way. He ended up having two children with um, a woman who Sonia claims that he cheated on her with. And Sonia is still single. So, um, again, there was some things that I noticed in the show uh, that is not too different than what single people deal with when they get into a relationship too soon. So, all this to say, of course, watch the show. There are some, there's another season I'm going to check out. Um, it looks pretty, pretty interesting with people of color. <laughs> and... Um, Whenever I get time, Helen, maybe next month or next year. But the show was pretty interesting to me. Again, some of the themes that these uh, married people uh, dealt with um, mimics what we deal with when we rush into relationships too soon. So when you're out there looking, all I can say is take your time. Be patient. Try not to get into a relationship due to your desperation or uh, desire to be in one or your desire not to be alone. Let's take time for yourself so you do not find yourself wasting time in meaningless relationships that can help, that actually aid in eroding your um, confidence level, okay? 
if you're going to be in a relationship, learn from the mistakes of these individuals on these shows or even your friends. Uh, what I took from this is you got to learn how to communicate. You never know what your words can do as far as how it can impact the outcome of the relationship or your willingness, excuse me, to communicate. And don't wait to the last minute to communicate. Communicate before you get to the point where you are completely turned off. Because at that point, what's the purpose of communicating, right? If that person can't do anything to fix it, why do it? Make sure you're in it for the right reason. Make sure you're willing to be dedicated to the purpose and the process. Understand things are not perfect. Nick Pendergrass, which was the uh, couple that was both introverted, where the young lady didn't know if he was attracted to her, and he really was. And she was actually the prettiest woman on the show on this season. Um, he said that, you know, he feels like he shouldn't have to work for it. The experts paired them together. All they have to do is just live their lives. He had the wrong idea of what is required to make a marriage work. He was not dedicated to the process. So make sure that you are dedicated to the process. And also be considerate. Don't be all about me and what's in it for me. Be considerate of your mate. The more and more you pour into your mate and to your relationship, if that is the right person from you for you, you should get the same in return. If not, you need to consider whether or not you're in the right relationship. And all this speaks, as I close, to your emotional maturity. If you are not emotional mature, you're not ready to be in a relationship. Because the maturity takes, like I said, not only communication, dedication, and consideration. You have to be mature to accept what comes when people do communicate with you. And when a person is dedicated to you, not to take them for granted. And to be considerate of others' feelings. So that's my little two cents uh, uh, about the show. Um, I enjoyed it. Like I said, that was 15 episodes. I really was not planning on looking at more than one. But it was a pretty good show. But you can learn from these type of experiments and uh, segments on what you can do or what people are doing. And understand, just because a person's married, married doesn't mean their life is perfect at all. I've been there, done that. Things look perfect on the outside, but things were not. So um, that's my little two cents, like I stated on this show. If I find another cool Hulu or Netflix or any type of show that is out that speaks to relationships uh, that I think is relative, I will definitely share it. Uh, with you guys. If you have any show that you want to review or that you would like for me to check out or we can review together, definitely hit us up at info at datingwhileblack.com. You can also leave a message uh, for us on this podcast if you are streaming through Anchor. Um, anyway, check out our website at datingwhileblack.org. You can also uh, check out our meetup uh, on Meetup and follow our Facebook page at datingwhileblack.org. Thank you for your support. I think we're up to like 20,000 followers on our Facebook page, so loving that. Earlier this year, we were at 5,000. Shout out to the Brand Prix, which uh, is our social media um, 
company that has helped us boost our Facebook page considerably. We are reaching about 4 million people a month on our Facebook page alone. Like I said, our followers have grown. Uh, I think we're about right at 20-something thousand, and we only have 4,000 coming into 2019. All right, well, I'm signing off, and I hope everyone has a good day. (laughs) Bye. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Dating While Black. If you have a show idea or a suggestion, please reach out to us at info at datingwhileblack.org. This show was brought to you in part by Blush Bartending, Kitty Paw Shoes, Brunch and Body, and The Hunt Dallas. To find out more about Dating While Black, please check us out on all social media platforms. You can also visit our website at www.datingwhileblack.org. We appreciate your support. And as always, put a big smile on someone's face and go love on someone.